0: We've been talking about the Feast of Tabernacles, and just to remind you again, uh, Wayne, am I on? Okay. The Feast of Tabernacles is basically, as we have said every week when we start, a position of restful dependence in hostile territory. It's a position of restful dependence in hostile territory where... A people are sustained purely by the indwelling presence. Yeah, I'll repeat it. Purely by the indwelling presence, by the overflow, by the fullness and the life of God. It's the purple one. Yep. So, let me say that again. It's a position... Of restful dependence the Feast of Tabernacles again for those who missed some of it we move from Passover to Pentecost and uh, then we move on to the Feast of Tabernacles Passover is deliverance Pentecost is liberty Feast of Tabernacles is rest Most churches stay here or go as far as here, but very few enter here. And we don't want to stop here, we want to go all the way. So, the Feast of Tabernacles is a position of restful dependence. The Feast of Tabernacles is a position of restful dependence in hostile territory. It's not like uh, all the conditions are good. In hostile territory. Where a people are sustained, where a people are sustained purely by the indwelling presence of God. By the overflow of God. Remember Jesus on the Feast of Tabernacles goes into the temple and says, Out of you shall flow rivers of living water. By the overflow of God, by the fullness of Christ in you. Or basically the fullness of the life of God in you. That's what the Feast of Tabernacles represents. And so this is the fourth or fifth um, part of the series on the Feast of Tabernacles. And today, last week we stopped at uh, um, how we walk by the Spirit as being part of how we move into rest. This week, we'll talk about the life of another. Uh, And before we go, for once we'll have a closing song in this church today. We'll sing that song, the life of another. Okay? We'll be doing things traditionally today so the life of another another word for the life of another is Romans 8:2 Romans 8:2 says for the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set me free Romans 8, one says therefore Jacob there is now no condemnation because you are in Christ so that takes for, that takes care of the first part therefore Jacob therefore there is now no condemnation against you in Christ and then it goes on to say hey Jacob but that's not it just not being condemned is not the whole story this law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free so not only am I not condemned but I'm brought into freedom and I'm brought into freedom by this thing called the law of the spirit of life and that's another fancy way of saying life of another the law of the spirit of life life of another are kind of the same and we'll explain how it works guys do you know that the life of another is also an insurance term at least in some countries i believe where you take out an insurance on the life of another so that you can cover all expenses on the death of that person in a sense that's what's happening here where on the death of this person called christ all my expenses are covered but I'm not talking only about my financial expenses. But uh, the law of the spirit of life. Now let's go back to the law of the spirit of life. Guys, uh, just like the law of aerodynamics does not revoke gravity but surpasses it, like, l- let me put it this way. Um, because the law of aerodynamics exists, doesn't mean that gravity doesn't no longer exist. Watch this I'm flying now, but I still come down to the earth. So the law of aerodynamics had me in the air for a fraction of a second, but gravity brought me down to earth. So gravity is not revoked. But the law of aerodynamics has the ability to surpass gravity. This is why planes fly. In the same way, the law of the spirit of life doesn't revoke sin, doesn't revoke death, doesn't revoke flesh yet. But in this present world, it has the power to surpass it. The law of the spirit of life does not revoke sin. Sin still exists. Does not revoke death. Death will exist and is the last enemy that will be taken care of. And does not revoke the flesh or the old way of living, which we talked about last week. But what it does is it surpasses the law of sin, the law of death, and the law of flesh. The crazy thing is this surpassing power now dwells in me through Christ. The law of the spirit of life in Christ, that's what it's called. I mean, Paul could have been a brilliant lawyer. He knew all the legalist terms and yet he was not legalistic at all. What he's trying to say is, guys, in you now, because Christ lives in you, there is this new law at work. It's like um, it's like, um, let's assume a child is born with this amazing ability to fly. All he has to do is flap his hands this way five times and he begins to fly. Because in him dwells this amazing ability. And that's what's happened to us. Because of Christ in us now is this thing that operates called the law of the spirit of life in Christ. Because he lives in us, it's active. That allows us to surpass sin, surpass Death eventually, because we die. Remember what we said about death. Death is like this uh, thing that happens for a micro-fraction of a second. Uh, this life continues. Death is this micro-fraction of a second where you shed this body. Death is like a string that goes around the corner into this room. For a second, you don't see me. For a micro-fraction of a second, you don't see me. And during that time... I've just shed my body. That didn't happen, but that's what would have happened. And you come out with a brand new body. That's what death is. It's 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 so not something that we need to be frightened of. Because it is this life that's going to continue. We're not going to get a new life after we die. The new life is already ours. This is a life that continues. Which is why what we do with this life is what we will be rewarded for in the future. If it was a different life, God would not judge this life to give us rewards in the future. It's because we have eternal life that God is taking this life and saying, aha, how did he do with this? Because it is this life that continues into the future. It's the same life, man. Just imagine that, eh? The law of the spirit of life in Christ is what I'm going to possess for the rest of my life. Imagine that. I'm not going to get new life when I die. I got new life about 22 years ago. And it's staying. It's staying. It's staying for the rest of my life, but yet, even though, guys, you and I have the fullness of Christ in us, many areas of our life are like an artificial limb. Um, I, I, I know a lady who has an artificial limb, and uh, um, you can see how the texture and the tone of the limb is exactly like the rest of the body. So, you, uh, from a distance, you won't be able to make out that she's gotten. Artificial leg. But the strange thing about an artificial limb is uh, it does not share the common life of the rest of the body. It does not um, feel pain when the rest of the body feels pain. It does, it, it cannot feel elation when the rest of the body feels elation. Because uh, it, it looks the same as the real thing, but it doesn't possess the common life of the rest of the body. And so uh, you'll see an artificial leg continuously striving and trying to keep in step with the rest of the body because it has no life. And this is sometimes how we live. We've got this amazing thing called the spirit of life in Christ in us, yet many parts of our life are like artificial limbs. They haven't fully been grafted into the person of Christ. So, we are. there are some areas where we are flying around like eagles and other areas where it's like this artificial limb that is trying to strive and keep up with what God is doing. It doesn't have to be like that. Everything that we do can come into unison where we live, like the song says, out of the life of another. I don't know... Uh, how long it'll take for us to even grasp the idea of it. But I know that that's where we're going. Where this whole church will live by the life of another. Uh, it would be a shame if some of us did and some of us didn't. We've got to move as a whole body who understands what it is to live the life of another. In every area. We'll talk about more about that. Guys, um, let's go to I no longer live, that part. Um, one of the things we need to understand is that Um, We really don't know how helplessly fallen we are. We have a pretty decent estimation of who we are as humans. You'll hear it on radio, he's a good person. I'm a good person. Are you spiritual? I may not be spiritual, but I'm a good person. (laughs) Guys, we have no idea. Our, Our understanding of our fallenness is incomplete. We somehow have a greater expectation of ourselves than we really should. Your fallenness and my fallenness, your corruption and my pollution, the distortion of the image of God is so drastic that anything that we attempt to do out of this human nature is actually like menstrual rags before God, if you want to get a picture of it. We are limited in our grasp of how helplessly fallen we are, so we still have some expectations of ourselves. And as a result of this faulty line of thinking, we strive to please God with our natural life. And yet that was the very life that God put to death on the cross. So are they. You know what that means, guys? Everything that I do with this natural life of mine has to cease. everything that came out of the old system everything that was shaped by the dictates, the desires the norms and the values of the present age no point offering any of that to God no good in that this was a, this, 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 this this life was the life that God put to death on the cross And when I take that life and try to do stuff, strive to offer God stuff. Guys, God's normal for a Christian. God's normal for a Christian is simply this. That's the first part. Embed this in your heads that God's normal for a Christian is Galatians two twenty, the first part. I no longer live. I mean, <laughs> talk about positive confession. Why not? We never see this in those positive confession sheets that are handed to us, where we should stand in the front of the mirror every morning after we wake up and say, I no longer live. You never see that in positive confessions. Yeah, they talk, we say, I am this, I am that, I am that. But I'd suggest tomorrow morning, stand in front of the mirror. Some of you do. Sorry. I was was just thinking of the mirror, talking back and saying, yeah, right now the way you look. (laughs) So stand in front of the mirror and say, I no longer live. Because that's God's normal for a Christian. I no longer live. And then the second part of it is, now it is Christ who lives this life for and in me. Try that, man. Try that. It's it's an amazing thing to even wrap our heads around. But this is the truth. I'm really enjoying this because... It, it needs wrapping my um, spirit, my spirit knows it. But ra- processing it and being able to shape my life around this. God's normal for a Christian is that a Christian no longer lives. Now it is Christ who lives his life for and in me. Or oh, Christ who lives his life in me. Try this. Maybe I should try it tomorrow in front of the mirror. I no longer live. But this life, it is Christ who lives this life in me. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I was just pretending. Um, guys, God didn't set us free from sin by helping the old me to do anything. Well, How did He set me free from f- sin? He did it by entirely removing me from the scene of action. You know, uh, uh, What the church does is if uh, Janet has a problem, they'll tell her how to strengthen herself. herself. Janet, do this and do that and uh, maybe you should try this and maybe you should try that. What did God do? God didn't come to rehabilitate. He moved that Janet out of the way. He dismissed her. He removed her out of the scene. If God wants to change me, I have to move out. Uh, try, Try understanding that. If God lives in me, Someone has to leave. I have to move out. Jacob has to move out. I kind of know this, but I don't know how it looks. Yeah, we'll get there. You're asking Matt's question before Matt can ask it. You're gonna have to wait, it's coming later yeah, guys, God said uh, um, the blood deals with the sin, we know that. But it's a cross that dealt with the sinner. And at the cross, Jacob was terminated. I mean, if you ever make a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger called Terminator, it should be a whole different plot. On the cross, Jacob was terminated. On the cross, Jacob was terminated. The first Jacob, the cross terminated the first Jacob. And out of Christ's death has risen a new Jacob, And the only reason he lives is because Christ lives in him. This is not theory. Let me say that again. At the cross, the first Jacob was terminated. And through Christ's death and his resurrection has now arisen a new Jacob. And that Jacob has only one life. And that is the life of Christ in him. But the thing sometimes with Jacob, the Christian, is he tries to live out the natural life he possesses, trying to please God, trying to strive, trying to get things right. And God is saying, move out, Jacob. Move out. Leave that to me. I now live in you. I am your real life. Don't try doing things with your natural life. You are so fallen in your humanness that with your natural life, there is nothing you can do for me. Let me who dwells in you do everything for you so that you can become all that I want you to become. I can't repeat that because I don't have it in my notes, so you'll have to listen to it. But it was, it was, it was like just right. That's where we are going. That's kind of half the answer to Sue's question. How do we go about this? It is so hard for us as Christians not to offer God anything out of our natural life. We're continuously trying to. And his response again, to repeat what I said earlier, is Jacob, you can can offer me nothing from your natural life. You can do nothing for me from your natural life. Because your fallenness and your humanness is so putrid that there is nothing that I can receive. Your your offering to me will be like Cain's offering. So let me do everything that I need to do in you so that you become who I want you to become. It's a seizing from my natural life, guys. The issue today is not whether you have Christ living in you; that is settled. The issue is whether you've moved out. Uh, how do I move out? I move out by. Um, I I, mo- I always like the song that I um, uh, that we sang. I wrote it in about. Uh, um, I I felt that we need to write a song with regard to what's happening in the church right now, the life of another. And I was quite sure that the Lord was saying, write it. So I actually had to put off the all-star game uh, because I felt him saying, right now, if you write it, uh, it'll be good. So I put it off and I grabbed my guitar. And it took me three minutes, okay, four minutes. And I'm saying to God as I'm writing it, man, you're so on today, oh God, you're so on today. And I literally felt God saying, Jacob, for once, you're on. Because I was thinking to myself, man, you're writing the song really fast. Four minutes, that's all it took you? It takes him less than that. It was me that was on today. And I'm telling him he was on. But what I'm saying is it happened so fast that I knew that it had nothing to do with any exertion. The exertion of the natural mind and the natural strength in things of God is so much in our lives. Step back. Everything he does, he will do. I will offer him nothing out of this natural life. Everything he will do, and I will just make a right choice and step into what he's doing. Jesus didn't do anything out of his natural life. Let's take Jesus. It is so hard to find an earthly model. So let's take Jesus. He was an earthly model. Jesus did nothing out of his natural life. Nothing. Everything was what was directed. What, what he knew God wanted to do in him and through him. That's what he would do. I mean, when he needed to pay taxes, if the Lord told him to go catch a fish, he would. Otherwise, he would receive help from women. When he, needed not to, when he needed to uh, go from Jerusalem to Judea, he would travel through Samaria, which was absolutely unnecessary. But the Bible very clearly says that he must go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. Why? Because in his natural life, it would have meant something else, but he did it this way. When Philip brought some Greeks to him who said, we want to see Jesus, he didn't meet them. He didn't meet them. He sent them off. Without meeting them. Because he didn't work out of his natural life. He didn't work out of his natural inklings. He didn't work out of his natural um, emotions. He was emotional, but, but he didn't work out of it. It's a very different way of living. It's not a denial of who you are, but it is living out of, working out of another life. Where you seize from everything else you do. Yeah. There is the average church goer waited to like God said write a song and if you don't hear nothing then they won't do any works So we have to move from the average church goer um because there is no average Christ. There is no average Christ. Yeah, but the reason I talked about that was to show you the ease with which things happen when we step into the life of Christ and don't bring things out through our natural life. It's it's a different way of operating, man. We'll, as we continue... Guys, I, I wish I could say to you, I've got this all together. I really don't. So... To the extent I can explain it, I will, and then we'll keep exploring this. It's a constant listening and hearing is part of it, but it's a constant awareness of um, it's a constant processing of the fact that I no longer live. Now it's Christ who lives this life in me. So when I begin to grasp that, I will even not worry about listening. Because at present we struggle with listening partly because we live and we listen to Christ. But when you come into a place where this is processed and you realize Christ is the only one who lives in you, you then begin to um, expect to hear just as you expect to think the thoughts that you think. We think thoughts naturally. A thought comes and we decide, should we think of it now or think of it later? It's up to us. In the same way, when we begin to live only by this... The life of Christ in us, even hearing will become like that. Because I'm living by somebody else's life. So now it becomes very natural. It's just a natural thing to do. So we won't have to concentrate on hearing. There'll be a knowing inside you. Yeah, it'll be a natural knowing. uh, A supernatural knowing. Yeah, see, right now guys, we, we are almost divided. There is a Jacob and there is a Jacob with Jesus and i keep alternating between this on good days i am more jacob jesus on not good days i'm just jacob which isn't a bad deal by the way but <laughs> <laughs> but the point is that because there's there's a division of jacob and jacob jesus what happens now is that i have when i want to hear i have to become something else to hear but if, if, if this is the only one that exists, it's very natural. Guys, this scripture always blows me away. First Corinthians 6.20 um, I have become one spirit with the Lord. I have become one spirit with the Lord. Is that drastic or what? I have become one spirit with the Lord. i think it's first corinthians 6:19 or 26:20 20, 20, i think it reminds me of the fact that you pour water from holy spirit to uh, holy spirit. yeah it's one there's no division this is why the ja if he moves out, if if my life becomes i mean david didn't know what he was saying but when he said unite my being to worship you O oh god Uh, I would suggest to you that even though he didn't know what he was saying, it is when there is no such demarcation. Because this is natural. This is supernatural. James, you were going to say something. Sit, like the way I'm sitting right now, to freeze the pants, or when we to eat something, mosquito, I don't want to dirty it because I'm wearing yeah. brand new clothes. So yeah, it, it um, takes. Uh, unfortunately, because we don't always live in new clothes, we have to. We are aware of it, yeah. but of it. yeah. But if we were always living in new clothes, yeah. then we wouldn't be aware of it. The thing is, we keep alternating. Yeah. I mean, I remember when. After driving a car for many years, I got the SUV three years ago. Um, I drew up to where you put the key in the to open the garage at our place, and it was much higher, man. Uh, where I when I turned on the volume for the radio, heat blasted out because it was in the wrong place. So it's like that. We alternate so often between living as natural Christian Jacob and supernatural Jesus Jacob that we never get used to this one lifestyle. And I'm saying it is absolutely possible to live the life of another continuously. It is possible. Guys, you need to operate from this position. Lord, I am unable to do anything for you. That should be the first part of the statement. Lord, I'm unable as Jacob, the natural, uh, the natural Jacob, I'm unable to do anything for you. I can try, I can strive, and you may even pat me on my head if I'm a child, uh, like a baby Christian, but really, I'm unable to do anything for you, so I'm not even going to try. But I trust that you can do everything in me. But I trust that you can do everything in me. Can you imagine how easy the life of a Christian becomes? Oh well, Lord, I'm unable to do anything for you. But I trust that you can do everything in, me. in me, and with me. Yeah. I'm unable to do anything for you. I'm not even going to try from now on. I'm going to cease from all my exertions. All my... Um, exertion of mind and strength I'm going to cease from you want to do something you do it in me and with me and I'll willingly do it but I'm not going to do anything anymore for you (laughs) sounds almost um, sacrilegious if the worship isn't working that's fine with me do whatever you want in me and it'll work I'm not going to do anything for you I'm not going to do one song or one guitar strum to make anything happen here you got to do it I'm preparing a sermon, it's not working out, I'm not going to do anything for you. If you want to do it, do anything in me, and I'll do it. I'm going to do not going to do anything for you in terms of how to do church. I don't know anyways, and I'll have to get someone else's program to do it. But if you want to do anything, go ahead and do it. Questions? Isn't that going to be fun? This is living Christ's life where I'm living by the life of another. What he does, I do. I do nothing to help, aid, support, scaffold, anything. This is the thing. We assume that we cannot be instantly there. Uh, Watchman tells of a story where there was this thief who used to steal chickens he used to steal 7 chickens a week so he decided that he was going to reform himself so here's how he decides to reform himself he says every week I'll steal 1 chicken less so here is a thief who wants to reform himself but the way he goes about it is in the first week he'll steal 7 next week he'll steal 6 so what he could have stopped in one day he took how many weeks to do? Okay, I thought it was six. Seven. Yeah, so seven weeks. Um, that's long. how long it took him to do. Guys, I'm running ahead of myself, but everything of the Spirit has to be obtained, not attained. It has to be received. Everything of the Spirit has to be obtained. So I move into this place called this is who Christ is in me. And now, that is where I start from. I'm not... Uh, unfortunately, we made... Uh, Uh, we made this into attaining. When it's obtaining, the difference between obtaining and attaining is attaining needs time, obtaining is immediate. So I start from this place of, we'll go over all this when I get there again. We start from this place of this is who I am. And I begin to process that in my mind. My spirit knows it well. For in my spirit, I am fully renewed. So in my mind, I start with the premise that this is who I am. And then I begin to walk. Not, that is who I will become. This is who I am. That's where we start. Go ahead, Elmer. Yeah. And in a way, surrender is also the yielding to, the, the yielding to God is a moving out. Surrendering is not saying in a se- I mean our way of surrendering is oh Lord I give you myself and God looks down and says move out then <laughs> <'Cause I laughs> that's what he's saying if James says Jacob I give you my house first thing I want is James, Sapna, Shanna and Sarah out of there because <laughs> I ain't living with another four people in that house I like my privacy Yeah, I'm glad. I was waiting to see how you would phrase it. Not, Jesus is in me. Jesus is the only one in me. I'm not there either in reality. The old, meaning I have already. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. At the cross, guys, a new creation started. The old creation was terminated. No, I have become one spirit with the Lord. uh, Yeah, in moving out, the, the natural Jacob moved out. Yeah, natural Jacob moved out. Oh, thank God for that. Yeah, our personalities will still be beautifully, uniquely crafted. Because God always works with stones, not with bricks. So we'll always be different. So, because we're beings, still, is that why we will always alternate, but not as often? Like, cause we will still... Yeah, unfortunately, the, the, the fact is we will still sin, even though um, Jesus didn't, because he loved his father. Um, But we don't have to keep alternating and uh, the frequency of sinning should go down like crazy where you will be able to stand and tell someone in the street or in the church, "Um, imitate me as I imitate Christ. This is not the realm of pastors, by the way. Every one of us should be able to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. James will go tell Sapna, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Banis will go to uh, Vain. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Not tell, but rather the person will Look, and say, I, I, would, I would rather imitate that person. Yeah, but telling makes it even harder because now you've got to put your money where your mouth is. Uh, so, uh, when you announce, Gosh, you announce it and you're done, man. Yeah, I would. That's pre- the, the easier way to do it. Whenever I do right, follow me. <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 To come and say to someone, I do right, follow me. My, and now you put yourself in a place where you will be. Yeah. Yeah. Therefore, there is no condemnation. And move on to the law of the spirit of life. We We know that the law of condemnation was actually revoked no longer exists. And we move into the law of the spirit of life. Gravity will still sometimes cause us to hit the ground. But we are horses with wings. We are horses with wings. Um, Guys, again, I've said this before. The Feast of Tabernacles is basically seizing from your own works. Seizing from your own works and resting on the work of another. What do I mean by work? By work, I mean formulas. Seize from all formulas. Seize from all exertion of human strength and human wisdom. Let me remind you of that scripture in Ezekiel forty-four seventeen, where God says to his priests, you will wear linen turbans and linen loincloths so that you don't Sweat or perspire when you serve me. Linen, uh, loincloths, the loins represent strength. The turban covers the head, which represents your mind. And God is saying, when you come and minister before me as priest, which is our 24-7 job, by the way, make sure that you don't perspire human wisdom and human strength. I want you to be wearing linen. Those guys had to wear it when they went to the temple. But... Now we don't have to go to the temple because we are the temple. And because there's no class called the Levites, we've all become priests. This is our constant place of being. No exertion of human wisdom or human strength. Works. Guys, um, David Cho once wrote a book called The Holy Spirit, My Senior Partner. Very often, works is a result of you being the senior partner and the Holy Spirit being the junior partner. Works happens when I am the senior partner. Works is self-made, stubborn, self-preserving uh, character in my life. Remember, who self, who is self-preserving? An orphan who does not know his father. He'll always try to preserve and protect himself we are not orphans. So what am I saying to you? Seize immediately from your works, Jacob. Seize immediately from your works, Acts 29. And let God deliver you if need be. Um, I read the story of this little girl um, who uh, was asked, so how do you overcome temptation? And she says um, that I overcome, in the beginning when I used to overcome temptation, I used to Um, uh, when the devil comes knocking at my door, I'd go tell the devil, don't you come in. Don't you come in in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't you come in. That's how I used to resist temptation. Then she said, uh, I learned. And then uh, nowadays when the devil comes knocking at my door, I turn to the Lord and say, Lord, could you just open the door? (laughs) And so the Lord goes, open the door, and the devil says, sorry, wrong door, and he flees. (laughs) So, (laughs) go ahead. Uh-huh. And in the message. And kind of, I will. Okay. Yeah. Um, if Abraham, by what he is for God, thought God to accuse him, he would certainly have taken credit for it. Huh. But the story we're given is a God story, not an Abraham story. Yeah. And Abraham entered into what God was doing for him, and that was the turning point. He trusted God to set him right instead of trying to be right in his own Yeah. Yeah, I have a line here that kind of uh, ties in with that. And basically what it says is, Victory does not depend on you since you have already died. (laughs) Victory does not depend on you. Uh, Joan, can I have a a cup of hot water too? Victory does not depend on you because you've already died. I mean, imagine if I needed victory in my life the day after my dad died. What good would it be if I dragged this coffin with me wherever I went? Why are you dragging your dad's coffin with you? There are two of us. I need victory. Nah, he's dead. There's nothing he can do for you. Victory does not depend on you. Thanks. Other than, No, my dad was a nice looking guy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, victory does not depend on you. <laughs> victory doesn't depend on you. Yeah. <clears throat> Guys, uh, yeah, so let me say that again. <laughs> victory does not depend upon you since you have already died. Uh, th- just imagine. No more striving for victory. No more striving for victory. I live by the life of another. I have died. I don't have to fight for victory. Victory comes through the life. Of another who is already victorious I enter into rest and I let him do what he wants to do in me in that situation where I need victory it's getting a little ridiculous because it almost seems like this is too easy peasy you don't know how hard it is to enter into rest strive to enter into rest Yes. <laughs> and that's where we fight. Yeah. Striped. Um, uh, I kind of had that question later on, but uh, as I would say to Matt, we'll get there in four minutes, but I'll get there uh, immediately. How can we achieve oh this? Oh, <laughs> 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 <Okay. laughs> Okay, Mariam, give me four minutes. Give me four minutes. Otherwise, he'll complain of this throughout. Okay. No. And then when you ask, I'll have to respond to you also. I'll get there, Mariam. So, guys, uh, now we come to the life I now live. The life I now live. Um, that's the second part of Galatians 2:20. <coughs> We think of Christian life as a life that is changed, while God says uh, Christian life is a life that is exchanged. You live by an exchanged life. You live by an exchanged life. Change somehow puts the onus on me. I've got to change. I've got to do better at this, better at this, better at this. You know, I was teaching this fullness of Christ somewhere, and uh, someone who had a problem with smoking came up to me and said, you know, um, I wanted to come and ask you to help me, uh, to pray f- for me to uh, get out of smoking. But now that I've heard this message, I think um, I'll just begin to live this other life. I'm sure I'm going to get through this. So I didn't pray for the person. If the person has the ability to process that, great. Um, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Um, I actually checked that i will. I, I I I know the translation. Um, could be awful. It's a guys. It's a continual substitution. My weakness, my failure, my inadequacy for Christ's strength. So it's not that in my naturalness that I often revert to. There are no weaknesses, failures, or inadequacies. My God, there is. But I keep substituting. This is why Paul could say, with quite a lot of pizzazz actually, that when I'm weak, then I'm strong. In my weakness, your strength is displayed. Because he got it. He got it. That it was a continuous exchange. It was a continuous exchange. What a relief it will be, where in the areas of your weakness, you no longer strive... But uh, just release and rest in God to be able to change that around. And we talked about this last week. Remember who dwells in you when it comes to weaknesses and temptations, guys. You have living within you. The Holy Spirit who is in relentless, sometimes violent opposition to everything that is of the flesh. If you have living in you, someone who is relentlessly opposing the things of the flesh, imagine what will happen when you let that person take over. Every time something comes, it's what the girl says. Jesus, could you please go open the door? And there is Jesus and he's in relentless opposition to everything that is of the flesh. That's one part. The second part is, reckon yourself dead to sin. Know that the seduction of sin actually does not have any mastery over you. It's been, it's been, it's been broken. We talked about that last week. Uh, We apply it practically by knowing that that's how it works, where now I don't have to fight the devil as a natural Christian. I rebuke you. I command you. I'm not saying don't use the words rebuke and command. But there's no striving. There's no shouting loud. There's no, I've got to pray some more. It is, I know who dwells in me. I think think that is the big thing with this teaching. Yeah. It's almost like we didn't know that before. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah, it isn't the big deal it was. You you, you just know who is in, and so now um, confrontations with the devil come from this place of you are not coming against Jacob, because Jacob has moved out. You are coming against the only one who lives in Jacob, who is Christ, and I know who Christ is and the authority he has. And when I'm in sync with Christ, when I'm not divided as Jacob and Jacob Jesus. There is only one. My God, there is no confrontation. There is no battle. Jesus never fell. It is possible, but and for us so humans, individual who is in that face, right? yeah. I, I, the thing, the thing is, I don't think ever, anyone, unfortunately, ever reaches that face here on earth. Paul said, "Forgetting what is behind me, I keep reaching towards." No, uh, yeah, out of it, yeah, it, guys. At the end of the day, what we are called to do is make righteous choices. A man of choice is a man of rest, is a man of destiny. Righteous choices, yes. A man of choice is a man of rest. Israel was at the brink of entering into rest, they made a choice. We will not go in there because they were afraid of giants. A man of choice is a man of rest, is a man of destiny. Your destiny unfolds according to your choices, guys. Our choices are the seed we talked about. Remember, we got seed, we are carriers of seed with two destinations and two potential harvests. Sow to the flesh or sow to the spirit. Accordingly, there'll be a harvest. So a man of choices is a man of destiny and a man of rest. Obedience is the seed for rest. Righteous choices move us into a place of rest. Righteous choices bring us into the fulfillment of our destiny. Yes, like James is saying, we unfortunately will fall. To say otherwise is a denial of how life really will be but here's the thing I start from this present position that there is only one living in me called Christ and now I begin to live it out I have already obtained it everything in the spirit is obtained and received this is why even in uh, Jesus' talk about prayer he says believe that you have received it everything in the spirit is obtained and received because the spirit is actually a present reality in my life there is no more of the Spirit I can get. The more I move out, the more the Spirit has me. I think a realistic yeah. and practical modern thought. I used to have a when I read the Bible. He said, He will create me. Yeah. 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 I mean, Paul probably got this down quite well, and yet there might have been other. I can't understand how guys like Job did this without the Spirit of God. I was just thinking of that a few days ago. With the Spirit of God, I still uh, do this uh, flip-flop. How the heck did Job do it without the Spirit of God? Go ahead, Anne. Yeah. Yesterday when I woke up I was thinking of some of us here. Uh-huh. body who are going through hard times. Uh-huh. And so then, then the lot said to me, He said, you don't you no longer live but I live in you. Huh. But I want you to share it with them and tell them that if I live that they should know the grasp this con- concept, concept. I live in them and therefore life is worth their living because they don't need to fear and they can face whatever comes Good. Them. Good word. Good word. I'm glad you spoke it out. Um, Anne saw, uh, uh, Anne senses when she woke up in the morning that um, there are people who are going through hard times and she was thinking about them. And the Lord said, Anne, uh, you don't have to worry because I now live in you and uh, you live by my life, but you need to go and tell the ones that you think are going through a difficult time that this is the same with. Them and therefore, even though they are in scary situations, they do not need to be afraid because of He who lives in us. It, it'll bring guys. Um, please remember, we always talk about this you've got to know and resonate and know it in your spirit, you've got to process it in your mind, you've got to live it out. That's how it works. So, if you don't understand it in one and a half hours, welcome to the club, join me. Uh, but the idea is to keep enlarging on this. The exchanged life is on one hand uh, passive in the sense that Christ lives in us, but on the other hand, it's active because we have to make righteous choices. A man of choices is a man of rest, is a man of destiny. Obedience brings us into rest. Guys, think of it eh? I can't love uh, the way God expects me to love, I can't uh, be humble the way God expects me to be humble. I can't be gentle the way God expects me to be gentle and yet God commands me to be so because he expects this of me. Why can he expect that of me? Because he says, Jacob, I've given you the life of another who was loving and humble and gentle. That's why I demand of it of you. You can't, but now living in you is someone who can. So begin to live by his life. There's nothing God will demand of me that is impossible. When Roland Tan used to come here ages ago, uh, and I'd tell him, man, I don't like that guy. And he'd come up with this terrible line, loved up with the love of the Lord. And I used to think to myself, oh! (laughs) But he was right. right. (laughs) That That was way back. I have changed. guys the exchanged life means that i live by the life of the son of god the exchanged life means i live just imagine i live by the life of the of the son of god <laughs> i live by the i don't live by a little quantity of the holy spirit as some of us were taught i live by the life of the son of god The creator of all heaven and earth. The son of God. I live by the life of the son of God. I no longer live. I remember James once taking me in his um, uh, Prius uh, cab. And um, we were on number four road and he was showing me how you switch from gas to electric. And that car can just switch and then run on electric. It's like that. I live by the electric life of the son of God. I don't live on gas anymore. like you are approaching God based on your circumstance and this is the picture you're getting and you're getting a distorted picture. Approach God first, change your approach, approach God first understand who God is and then see how your How I would perhaps work with what you've said is this way: I cannot have an approach till I become a certain person. It is who I am that determines my approach. It is not my approach that determines what happens. It is who I am. I have to come into this understanding that Jesus and Jacob, um, that that, uh, it is only Christ who lives in me. Once I become who I am, then my approach changes. Otherwise, it's like band-aid. Because approaches have been, the church has been taught approaches for many years. I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong. I'm saying there's a step before that. One has to become who one is before he can do what he's supposed to do. Christianity today has become about doing what you're supposed to do without becoming who you're supposed to become. And that is the sad, sad state of this thing. So this is why your spirit is fully renewed and knows the nature of God f- fully well there. You process it here now. This is What is the idea of teaching? The whole idea of teaching is to set up a system whereby truths can be now practiced after processing. That's why we have teachers so that we can can become who we are. And once we become who we are, we can do what we are supposed to do. A time should come when... I'm just picking on them. When Elmer and Anne's ministry should become redundant. That is their desire too. Because if we are camped at Pentecost and always need liberty... When will we enter into rest? Let them work with the next group of people that God brings in. But this people have to render them redundant. When I first went to India, Christy, the guy who hosts us there, said, Jacob is coming with two old missionaries. <laughs> it is so funny. <laughs> and then the next thing he emailed me and said, Are they okay about climbing steps? (laughs) Now, when I say redundant, I'm not talking about old. I'm talking about having them uh, rendered redundant in terms of having to minister to a people because they have begun to move from Pentecost towards tabernacles, from a place of always requiring liberty to a place of rest, where you need liberty. But it's not like you'll park your car in the garage forever. Yeah. Christ's meekness now becomes my meekness. I have to understand this that Christ's meekness is now my meekness. Christ's holiness becomes my holiness. I love this next one. His intimacy and fellowship with God, his Father becomes my intimacy and fellowship with God. I operate on the same basis because it is Christ that lives in me. I just love that idea. I, I feel quite nice about the Father even now. But then we are talking about another level where can you imagine the mornings Christ spent walking the mountains talking to his Father? God knows what kind of a conversation that was. I mean, Joshua hung out by the door of the tent to listen Moses conversing with God and he was awestruck. Imagine hanging out... Listening to Jesus talk with his father. But that is where I can um, head. Because I am already that. The life of another. It is marvelous, man. Why he didn't? Because the presence of God was in the tent. Yeah, because the glory would fade slowly. It was not like a light switch. So he would wait there because Moses had that glory on his face for days. So that could be one of his reasons. I'm just hazarding a guess. From now on, guys, there's no sin too great for me to overcome, no temptation too great for me to withstand. Because is there any sin or temptation too great for Christ to overcome? <laughs> there is no sin or temptation that is too great for me to overcome. Why? Because is there any sin or temptation too great for Christ to overcome? Like I said last week, all this time I thought when God says there's no temptation that has overtaken you, that is not common to man, but with every temptation there is a way out. I thought it's this escape hatch that must be somewhere. No, no, no. The the, the escape is this person called Christ. <clears throat> Now we come to that question that uh, Matt started whining about. So how do we achieve this? Uh, We've already mentioned it, but I'll just recap it. We achieve this through three uh, main ways. One, how do we get to this place where Christ becomes the life that I live by, the life of another? One, and you'll have to flesh this out. Move out. Two. Seize from your works. We'll just pitch tent here for a few minutes. Three. Obtain or receive who you already are. So, just to explain that. When I say, uh, how do we get to this place? Move out means... Jacob has to understand that Jacob can't keep flip-flopping between his natural humanness out of which he wants to do things for God, tries. No, no, no. He's going to not keep flip-flopping that way. He's going to come into a place of understanding that there is only one life he possesses and that is the life of the Son of God. That is all he possesses. And that he's not going to try to exert his human wisdom, his human strength, his natural uh, Jacobness to please God he'll never be able to do it it's worse than the offering Cain gave to live out of this one life so the natural Jacob that tries to please God is going to move out secondly I'm going to cease from works it's a continuation of the first point where um, works where where I'm the senior partner where there are formulas where there is human wisdom or human strength required to go through stuff I'm going to step back from all that. I'm going to let go. There's no. There's not going to be self-preservation, self-control, self. Not self-control. Self-preservation, control, self-exaltation, self-pretense. Um, everything is going to go. You will have to. There, there, there has to be a nakedness about the natural Jacob, so that the supernatural Jesus in him can be seen. Because I am a jar of clay in whom rests a treasure, and if there are cracks, the treasure will show. The veil of flesh has to thin down to a point where the one behind the curtain is seen in visible splendor. So that requires a, a John the Baptist style. I must decrease so that he can increase. It is in this context that Paul says even though I'm perplexed I'm not completely undone. I may be this but I'm not that. I'm pressed in from every side. All that just brought even to the greater forefront who Christ was in him. Which is why he says that uh, I'm being, uh, we are going through these hard times but Christ is being made more alive. Imagine that. Do you see why Paul is saying that? That in our suffering, in our bodies being subjected to what they're being subjected, in our bodies going towards death, the life of Christ is being more and more Evident, released. Uh, I could sit down for you, but that won't help you, Mariana. <laughs> I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I guess my mom did this too, right? Uh, yeah. I'll have to be nicer to her. <laughs> This life is obtained, not attained. We already said that. All things pertaining to the Holy Spirit are obtained. All that which is related to victory must be received. Guys, um, holiness movements and doing movements will collapse under their own weight, guys. Christ is our holiness. Being holy is a fruit of that holiness. So if ever there is a holiness movement in this church, flee. What does that mean? Holiness movement is uh, saying, how come you're wearing pants? Don't you know you're... And you've cut your hair short? <laughs> <loves> your <laughs> where Where we impose standards of holiness. Or, um, no, that's not what the Holiness Movement was. That was just plain legalism. The Holiness Movement was an emphasis on walking in holiness. And what it did is it put... Uh, that was what I did with you was not uh, the Holiness Movement. It was much better than that. What the, movement, what, the ho- what the Holiness Movement did was it put such a heavy emphasis on being holy that it forgot that your holiness is because of Christ. And the 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 yeah, the focus shifted on the acts of holiness, which should be the fruit of who Christ is in you. This is why we have to remember become who you are and you will do what you're supposed to do. What happened to the holiness movement is they said do this because you are Christian, but they didn't show or teach that it's an output of who you are. So it became so much pressure, man. Yeah. It ended up with people being holy for two hours in church, but very unholy at home for 22 hours. Guys, for those that are married, your your holiness and stand before God is seen in how you keep your marriage bed sacred. It is there that a man's um, um, holiness is shown, and I'm not just talking about. Um, um, the act of sex, it's in the thoughts that go. That is one place where the ones who are married need to check. Okay, I can live holy here, here and here. But when I am with my spouse in bed, the whole idea of keeping the marriage bed sacred was not some kind of a ritual that we had to do before people had, um, couples had se- married people had sex. It was the whole idea of keeping the marriage bed holy was a thing of how do I approach this? Because that is one place where a lot of unholiness happens. If not necessarily in what is demanded or the act in terms of the thinking, which no one can see. Keep that in mind. Just on the side. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You don't need to. You become... Your identity is Christ. That's why we sing that song. uh, You are my father, you are my father, in you I find my identity. So in him, then I find my identity. This is why I can become more and more transparent as uh, I come into this recognition that Christ is the one who lives in me. Because now there's less and less to hide unless I'm really living two lives. your personality, yes, yeah and that God treasures, he made you my God, he made you a certain way if this world was full of Jacob's it would be such a lovely place to live (laughs) (laughs) of all the things you could come in the middle of such a profound message (laughs) moving on (laughs) That didn't get taped, right? <laughs> My mom would have a fit with that one, man. <laughs> oh, be quiet. Moving on. If the sun has set you free, we come to the last bit. If the sun has set you free. Guys, uh, whenever you are a slave people who are being set free, there are a few steps and I got this from uh, the writings of a person who's written extensively on this. Um, if this, whenever a slave people are set free, the first thing uh, that has to happen is they need to know about. They, they need to know about the proclamation of freedom. The first step is they need to know. They need to know. The proclamation of the freedom. So let's assume that we are a slave people uh, and uh, we just got emancipated and there's a, it was signed in Ottawa and uh, we in Vancouver have no idea of it. It has to be first proclaimed so that we hear it and um, this is what is done in Romans 8 two, where it says the law of sin and death, so the law of the spirit of life in Christ has Set us free, that was the proclamation that guys hear ye hear ye out hath gone a law called the law of the spirit of life in Christ, and that thou now that thou hast been set free, and you have to go, yea ye yeah. yeah. good yeah. okay or hear, hear. oh here here, sorry, yeah here here, and so first you know about the proclamation, the second thing that had to happen. Is once you know the proclamation, you have to believe it. Reckon it to be so. Romans six eleven. Likewise, reckon yourself dead to Christ. Uh, dead? Sorry. Reckon yourself dead. <laughs> reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin. You wanted to see we're paying attention. Yes. And but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So they had to believe it was true, Romans 6.11. I've got the scriptures on top of your page. Um, So that's the second part, you have to believe it. I'm writing this down because this is exactly what we need to do with what we have been talking about and what we'll be talking about. Thirdly, once they believed it was true, you have to believe it is true. It's not enough to believe it. You have to believe that it is actually true. If it doesn't resonate with you, you will not follow it. Uh, by the way, um, Chris uh, has organized a dinner for us immediately after the meeting. So uh, do that doesn't resonate true with you, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. It is not enough to believe it. It has to, <laughs> It ha- you have to believe it is true. Yeah. Pardon? Yeah. Father, I just thank you for Mariana Abba. And uh, um, I just bless you, Father. I just speak into a life right now. I just speak into a life right now. What do you want to say, Father? Father, I just thank you that um, blessed are those that hunger and thirst, for they shall be fed. And you are speaking it over this woman, Abba. Not many know it, not many see it, but my God, you have seen it. And you're saying that you've chosen well and it is going to come to pass. You've hidden it well too, but I have seen. So I'm bringing you out of the wine press, And I will satisfy your hunger and thirst. To a point where it will ooze out of you as wine oozes out of the grape. It won't be trodden over uh, harshly. I will be the one who squeezes it out of you. And people will drink of it. You are a fruitful wine, says God. You are a fruitful wine. So I thank you, Father, for this planting of yours. The days ahead are good and rich. I pray that such an appetite begins to develop in her for not just the reading of the word, but for the breaking of the word, where husband and wife sit together and break the word and suck out the marrow inside the word. This is the season I inaugurate in her life right now. For a day is coming when your children and your husband shall rise and call you blessed. And I speak that upon you right now. In Jesus' name. Bless you, Father. Bless you. Caleb liked that word. Well, Wasn't he sleeping? <laughs> that happens to people. Third. Once you believe that it is true, you have to claim that freedom. You have to claim that Freedom and um, how do you claim that freedom? You got to show it. Pack your bags, move out. Because if we were suddenly, we receive this proclamation, and we say it's true, it's true, it's true, and then the next thing we have to do is take off those darn shackles and throw them by the side and do a few steps and then begin to pack our bags and leave because we are moving out we are moving out so that's the third step fourth and that's why it says in uh, Galatians 5.13 you've been called to liberty Uh, pack your bags Uh, don't use this liberty to go back into the flesh but pack your bags and by love begin to serve one another not as slaves anymore but as free people pack your bags don't go back into the old way fourthly refuse to be a slave refuse to be a slave now you've just been set free refuse to be a slave again refuse to be a slave again refuse to be a slave again it's in Galatians 5.1 stand fast therefore in the liberty wherein Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with a yoke of bondage. This life of another that God is opening up for us is a life that has to be entered into as a people. I'm not interested in Elmer entering this. I don't want just Elmer to enter it. I want all of us to enter it. We are, we are always going to work as a people, guys. God is interested in doing this as a people. Not with individuals. Individuals make up a people, but he's always looking at a people. So, refuse to be a slave again. Stand fast in the liberty wherein Christ is drawing us. Drawing us into the life of another so that we don't keep going back into our natural human fallenness to do things for him, to try and please him, to strive Because what will happen is, always remember, you'll be an artificial limb that looks like the real thing but doesn't share in the common life of the body. That cannot feel pain or elation. That is always trying to keep in step because it's not a natural part of life. When there is this one life called Christ out of whom all of me shall draw. And lastly, (laughs) count on the power, count on the power of the emancipator, or the one who set you free, count on the power of the emancipator, or the one who has brought you this freedom, meaning Christ, to stand behind you, to stand behind you, Uh, basically to, to hold you up. This is why in John 8 36, it says, if the son, Jacob, if the son has set you free, you are free indeed. He set you free from your natural human fallenness, from sin, from death, from the old flesh way of living its norms, dictates and values. And he's brought you into a place where you can live the life of another. And if the Son has set you free, then know that you are free indeed and He'll do everything in His power to help you walk in that freedom. You have the Spirit of God living in you. You're going to walk in the line of sight of the Spirit within earshot of the Spirit's whisper, within the pleasure or the frown of the Spirit's um, demeanor to you as you walk. You will show behavior that is... um, 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 in accordance with who lives within you. They will know that someone lives within you because you have a different behavior and you will um, always cultivate things that are of God. You will sow into the seasons of God. You will sow into the things of the Spirit and you will sow out of you the fruit that is already in you.